0: Hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every single week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is Around the World. Hello, everybody. My name is
1: Brett Stewart. Joining me on this lovely evening, David Luzader, how are you? I'm doing well. I, I've i been uh, browsing the iBleach subreddit for a while to get some of the horrible <laughs> deaths that have been burned into my brain out. Uh, because it's been like a couple of years since I've seen this movie, and you forget. You forget.
0: And the baseball <laughs> bat. It just sticks yeah. in the head. Oh, God, we'll get there. Uh-huh. Uh, Nicole Davis, how are you? <laughs>
2: I'm good. Um yeah, I was very fortunate that when this movie came out back in 2014, uh it played at our local art cinema and they played it in a double feature with The Raid, which made Ooh. it much easier to follow what happens from the beginning of this movie. Um although they try to give you a recap, it's just like, what? Why are you even watching The Raid 2 if you haven't watched The Raid yet? Right.
0: yeah yeah i Uh, i definitely had a little bit of of that going on where i didn't i had to go back and reread a synopsis of the raid one just to get a brief refresher of some of the characters but by
1: and large it's pretty easy to follow yeah well because this one starts like two hours after the first movie and then you know jumps two years Mm -hmm. right
0: right well before we talk about the raid two which was the pick for around the world next week is you did this to us now, you can vote on these. Go to Twitter.com slash MGRpod, no, MGRpodcast, uh, or Facebook.com slash podcast. You can also go on MGRpodcast.com. Any of those places I just named is where you can find voting. Now, if you're listening to this, that means it's been voted on. But hey, you have an opportunity. You're probably still working from home. There's no excuse not to go vote on You Did This To Us the next time it comes around. So go to one of those places to check it out. But future me, since we don't know what we're watching yet, is going to tell us right now what the You Did This To Us pick is. You all picked The Hobbit. However, you did not specify which version of The Hobbit. So we might have a trick up our sleeve for next week. Be sure to tune in. And that'll be next week's episode. Uh. (laughs) Obligatory groan. I hope it's not bad, but it will be. That's okay. All right. You did this to us next week.
2: It's okay if it helps, you know, the people who are home and unfortunately not working because of the nature of their jobs. Um, You know, if you want to take your bitterness out on us, I I understand. I understand.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, in, I don't. In, times, <laughs> in times like these, we're willing to bear things like the Emoji Movie, Take but never that again. All righty. Well, The Raid 2 was a delight to watch, I, if I may do say so myself. Only a short time after the first raid, Rama goes undercover, agreeing to be sent to prison to ingratiate himself with the son of a major crime boss. When he is released, he is brought into the criminal organization where he can learn the power structure of Jakarta's underground and figure out how to bring down the syndicate and uncover corruption within his police force. David, you've already kind of explained this already, but the raid too, why are we Uh here?
1: Uh, because this movie is awesome. This yeah. movie rules. And uh, Brett, you had not seen I've, a ton of martial arts films, and I was like, well, Brett's got to see the Raid movies, so...
2: I'm I'm not sure I understand the question.
1: Yeah, I don't. I, I feel like it's pretty obvious. Did you watch the movie? Yeah, I, Although, I did. Although, you know,
2: with the caveat that if if you don't like violent movies...
1: Oh, yes.
2: I, no, this is not for you. If, <laughs> this movie is not for you. If you can't appreciate a well structured, um, violent, they call it a gag generally in the business and for a better reason this time, but uh, <laughs> when they pull off an especially violent act, that's like super creative and the whole audience goes, ah, you know, yeah. it's
1: <laughs> if, if you like, if, if you're like me watching this movie, there's times you go and then there's parts of it since you've seen it, you know, when to like, look away. Cause you don't want to see that guy's jaw get torn open. Uh, you know, if, if that doesn't sound appealing to you, if it sounds like you're more squeamish than I am, then maybe this movie isn't for you. Or just stand yeah. you know, watch it through your fingers. It's just not- I mom used to be rated. like
2: that. And now I'm in the latter category. and I'm like, whoa, well done. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's oh. it's
1: cool. But it's still like, ooh, ah.
0: Oh, it is. It is creative and experimental in all the right and wrong ways. Uh, So this was the first time I'd seen this movie. We we watched the raid one. All of us loved it. And going into this, I had really high expectations because it was the same director. uh, It had some of the same cast and it had the same choreographer. And I was I knew this was going to be awesome. And it was Uh, end of podcast. Uh, (laughs) It was really cool. (laughs) No, this was phenomenal. And I do think that, by and large, a, a synopsis reread of the original film is helpful. But even then, like I picked up pretty quick where I left off when we watched that, what, maybe a year ago now. Uh, it it jumps straight into it, and you don't miss a ton.
1: Yeah, it, it is helpful to be familiar with the first one for sure, especially for the beginning, just because it, it helps to know who Rama is. Uh and why does he have that scar on his face? And who's that guy that gets shot in the first five minutes of the movie? But from there, it's its its own thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Rama is the
0: character, just to make sure I'm totally on the same page. Uh, he's our protagonist in the first film that's going to get his brother out of the crime syndicate that's holed up inside of a giant apartment complex. Yes. Okay. Right on. So let's talk about some of our discussion topics and dive really just straight into this movie because, oh golly, do we have two pages worth. This is going to be fun to moderate. Uh, So (laughs) let's let's talk about that apartment block. The first film was confined to the apartment block, whereas this film was all over Jakarta. And I wanted to get your guys' opinions on whether or not you think the film was benefited by that. And Nicole added to the docket as well, that it's not just geographically bigger, but the scope is that of a more complex plot with more complex emotional content that we don't really get as much of in the original movie because it is just like, it's a story of them raiding this apartment block. Uh, I want to get your guys' opinions on that.
2: Does it benefit from it? It just, (laughs) it makes it a different animal. It's, it's, just as good but different. I mean it's it's excellent. This is like like the Godfather plus John Woo plus like a gore film.
1: Uh, <laughs> less less doves though.
2: Fewer doves, yes. But just as much slow-mo. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much.
2: But done extremely ordinarily well. I mean, Gareth Evans knows when to go to slow motion and when to let everything play at full speed.
1: Yeah, Gareth Evans knows pacing really well in action scenes and in generally in storytelling because a- action movies, you know, your adrenaline gets going when the action scenes are happening, but then what the audience needs is like a time to cool off. Like if you just have like non-stop action just like black panther the last 45 minutes of that movie eventually you're going to start looking at your watch and being like okay come on like let's get through this i'm kind of bored with the action it's weird but he knows when to like all right we're gonna have a really intense action scene and then like all right now we're gonna slow things down and here's people talking about gang politics for a bit (laughs) and it's like it that might seem less interesting in some ways but for like us as the audience it's like that's that's good we need that uh as far as like expanding the scope of this movie i think that's smart too because you have to raise the stakes from the first one you know the first one's about one building this one is more i mean it's not really about like he's gonna save the city it's like he's gonna he's trying to uncover corruption in the police department which is still small but compared to the first one much bigger
0: yeah, for, for me, I agree with that. For me, though, I, I also put in our docket, can everyone follow the gang politics of this film, or does it get too bogged down in them? And I I love me some random trade disputes in the middle of action movies. Uh <laughs> but we know this, you love phantom menace, Brett. Right? <laughs> I, I always like to mention that when I talk about politics and movies, cause it's the worst possible example of it. Um, this handles it much better. Uh, I, I like the politics of this movie and I like the, the mediations that they essentially have between rival gangs. Uh, there are times when I kind of forget who's in charge of what and who they are and who they report to and who reports to them and and why it's there's a big web, <laughs> and I think maybe watching it subsequent times I get a better handle over of that, but I definitely found myself a little bit lost between kind of three gangs or like two gangs and a corrupt police force, and then kind of a third gang. It so yeah yeah. There's, you see, like, there's my issue.
1: Well, there's the big Indonesian gang and there's the big Japanese gang, and they're kind of like running Jakarta, basically. Uh, And then there's the smaller uh, crime lord who is trying to kind of cut his piece of territory out. And so he manipulates a gang war between the two big gangs to try and uh, try and get his his. Piece of land, I guess. Well, literally, his piece of land. That's what he's right. kind of going for at one point. But it's
0: also shown at the end of, the, toward the end of the film, that he also seems to kind of be part of one of those gangs. Well, no, he
1: he's running his own gang, right? But he has the same tattoo, right? As... He, he tried he tried to kill the guy uh, in prison. Oh, like, I see. Okay.
2: Yeah, All that right. was his man who tried to kill the the son of the. Uh, Indonesian gang boss while mm-hmm. in prison.
0: I understand. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, so that that kind of confused me a little bit in this movie. But I, I again, I think on subsequent viewings, I'd probably have a better handle over it. Uh, I yeah, do this love plus
2: the Wikipedia article is, <laughs> is pretty much enough to straighten it out. You know, I, I just think like, so. Who yeah. is Reza, for crying out loud? Yeah, who's This guy because
1: you see him shows for a, for a lot, lot of times. Yeah, you see him once in the beginning of the movie, and then he is mentioned a lot. And yes. like but this movie's two and a half hours long, so he he's really starts getting mentioned a lot in the last forty-five minutes, and you haven't seen him for over an hour. So it does start to get a little bit like, wait, who's Reza?
2: Right. I forgot what he looked like, so I didn't realize who he was until right. checking it out. I mean, but you know, Reza's part of the police department is yes. the long and the short of it. Um, but right. the way they talk about him, it sounds almost like he's the overboss of both the Japanese right. and the Indonesian gangs. The-
1: there, right. is that, there is that one guy when they have the meeting who does seem to kind of be in charge there. I don't know if he's like a mediator, but yeah, he's I, like a <laughs> mediator guy. Yeah. But he's like, if you don't all behave, we're going to have to dissolve your organizations. And it's like, wait, what? Why can you do that?
2: Right. How do you have the power to do this? Where does that come from?
0: <laughs> the at, hell the same, <laughs> at the same time, though, I I really struggle to get bogged down too much in this because it also doesn't really matter that much. They're here to kill each no. other in inventive ways, and I think that mm-hmm, if there yes. is ambiguity within the the gang politics of these multiple syndicates, I'm okay with that. I'm that I that slides under the radar for me. I will say that is, is it Bejo the the uh, guy the self made guy Bejo, uh, him and his Jeremy Piven haircut just delightfully <laughs> evil.
1: I don't know why when you give a bad guy I, a cane, it's he's just, the most. So-
0: much
2: pomade in this movie
1: yeah so oh much. yeah even in prison i was kind of surprised uh but he is kind of the james bond villain of the movie yeah he has that he has the cane he has oh, a yeah. limp and always he's wearing sunglasses right.
0: yeah exactly yeah no and he One he's all right he's always wearing the sunglasses he's always incredibly well dressed he's always wearing leather gloves uh he's very menacing but i i love him he's my favorite bad guy uh But no, it sounds like by and large, I think you guys, I think we're all in agreement that the scope of this film is a benefit to it because you can't just have the same stakes of it being in an apartment complex. You need to up the ante. And this does that with that emotional content as well. As you mentioned in our docket, Nicole, I felt like I cared a lot more about Rama in this film. Like I had more of a reason to be invested in him.
2: Yeah. I mean, I really feel like, you know, eco... Why is like his acting has really progressed tremendously uh, even in just a couple of years since the, the raid redemption Um, that he's conveying a lot of emotion without a lot of dialogue in most cases.
1: And he's doing a
2: fantastic job and something that was, you know, that the the director pointed out in the special features um, that I hadn't really thought through but kind of hit home is that it requires a lot of acting uh, finesse to be able to do an action scene where the character is getting progressively more tired. Yes. Like you have to keep track of how tired your character is in any given shot and like try to calibrate that depending on what part of the scene you're in.
1: And in part of that, because this movie is so brutal, you know, they would be fighting, and then if the if the person doesn't go down immediately, and they can't just like CGI some blood on them, or you know, have a a squib go off or something, they have to take a break, put makeup on them to make them look all beat up. So you know, they're just, I mean, you know, not, they're not just sitting there, but they're kind, you know, they're getting a chance to rest, and they have to go back and they have to act like they've been fighting relentlessly for five to ten minutes. And for Rama, like in that last, you know, the last. 30 minutes of the movie. is just him nonstop punching and kicking people in the face. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's exhausting to watch. Like, I felt tired afterward just watching him. Uh, I also do want to throw an acting shout out to the son of the Indonesian gang, uh, who is, uh, is it Uko or?
2: Okay. The character is Ucho. Ucho. Is, the actor is Arafin Putra.
0: Arafin Putra, yeah. Arafin Putra. Uh, he. I think is the kind of the emotional backbone of the movie in, in in the sense that the the story arc of his descent into frustration and anger of not being taken seriously, at least in his opinion, by his crime lord father, who's also a politician, he's the one that is allowing them to pay off all of the uh, police and keep their illicit operations across the board under the radar. And his just complete frustration and anger that eventually leads him to killing his father, is is, some of the best acting in the movie. He is frustrating and you just hate him. He's such a douche. (laughs) He's he's terrible, (laughs) but that's so well acted. It is so, the scene in which they're terrorizing these two poor women in a nightclub is the most tense tense scene in the movie to me. Yeah, like even more so than any graphic fight, (laughs) that karaoke bar is
1: so tense and unsettling. Well, because like there's kind of, when they get into a fight, it's kind of like, well, that person deserves it. You know, they're, they're in this, they're part of it, but he's just like assaulting this woman who, yeah, I mean, who is, you know, uh, who is kind of like getting pushy, like with words, but was not, you know, is obviously not in like a fighter in any sort of way. And he's just getting very aggressive and rough with her in a very physical way. And it's like, no, stop it. Don't, don't do that.
0: And you realize just how horrifying it is, because then one of them presses the panic button in the room, and the bouncer comes in and notices it's Ucho, and then walks right out. Like, that's a scary level of power. <laughs> and and he loves it. He yeah, feeds
2: off it. Yeah, he's just like, oh. Yeah. yeah. He's like, oh, sir, is, is there anything else that you need that we can do for you? What do you need that th- this evening is, is on us?
1: Yes. Uh, yeah.
2: See ya. And, then and just like, like yeah, Homer. girl in there with him. No,
1: no, no, the, no, because uh, uh, Rama is like take well, the girls for right. Yes, yes, he was planning to leave them. Yeah, it's not great.
0: No, there's there's yeah. a lot of that in this movie, and there's aside from from Rama, there's really no one to root for <laughs> except for him. So you just want to see him kick everyone's ass, and he does Ooh. it in glorious fashion.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I mean. Mm. You kind of come around on Ika a little bit. You're like, oh, like watching it this time, knowing that he is also a cop. I like, I totally had a different view on his character and everything that he's doing. Right. Uh, and then again, I mean, there's also uh, Bunoir, but he's he has that great line of like, none of us are heroes. So it's like, he's also really rough around the edges, but just because you kind of get the sense that he has to be to do what he does. So let's talk about Bunoir. You mentioned in our docket, or Nicole did rather,
0: Is he one of the good guys or does he move into Hmm. a gray area?
1: I think he has to exist in a gray area.
2: Yeah, because he's, you know, officially he's part of the police force and he's trying to root out corruption. But he also shot the primary witness to corruption from the first movie. Yeah. And uh He's it's like, no, 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 no. We need to clear the path for to get to the bigger guys. And keeping this guy alive wouldn't do any good.
1: Right. It would just put Rama in danger. And yeah. so he has he has to murder someone, which is, you know, admittedly, murder is not cool. Guys, I think we can all agree on that. Uh, but, <laughs> he, like, <laughs> but he I mean he has to, but it's it's something that in order he sees himself as serving the greater good it the reminds me good. a lot of uh, the, greater, the greater good, good. Uh, sorry every time uh, someone says something <laughs> it, it it reminds me of um uh what's the uh chewetal edge of character in serenity like he be- Oh yeah yeah he believe the operative that's what it is like he believes yeah. that he's serving a greater purpose but he knows like what i do is is not good quote unquote from a moral standpoint
0: yeah i mean my issue with him is that he's very willing to let Rama risk it all.
1: And he doesn't have a lot of skin in the game. He really he doesn't. Uh, I mean, I don't know if we get a big enough picture on it. We don't know what his life is like.
0: No, yeah, but he's also not going to prison stuff. intentionally I mean, because keep in mind, this movie essentially opens with him, you know, going to Rama and saying, we need you to get inside prison. So you can ingratiate yourself to, uh, Ucho, and he's in prison as well. So you're going to go beat up a guy that his family does not like. That way, when you get in, he will already be predisposed to like you. And he goes and beats up this guy under the assumption he'll get a couple months. And this is what uh, Bunowar tells him. And he gets two years. He's, no, no, he gets three. He gets out in two. Right. Gets three years out in two. That yeah. right away, I was like, oh, bonoir you kind of suck. you're not you're not a very good police buddy
1: yeah but it's like one of those things where it's like I, i in a real world context that person doing that job has to make calls that i would never want to have to make you know yeah
2: yeah yeah but i mean it's also just you know Promised that it would only be a few months and then in prison for two years. Right. When your child is like only a couple months old yeah. when you go in is right.
1: that, yeah, he, he, he does some uh, lying. Yeah. That's he, emotionally
2: a gut punch. He
1: he's he's a little bit manipulative. He a is. Li- he's, uh,
2: he's, he's, he's 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 a he's a good <laughs> amount
1: of manipulative. <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> he is. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about that prison as well. Uh, I, When I started the movie, I almost thought it was going to just take place in this prison. I was almost a, li- a little shell-shocked when it just switched to two years later and all of a sudden he's out of prison <laughs> because I was so used to the idea of the first film being in one place. And they do such a good job with the prison. And uh, it's it has a fight in it that I think sets the tone for the entire movie, uh, which is in the prison yard. Now, first of all, first question, why are the prison guards so bad. Like there's there's one point where Ucho like walks over in the lunchroom and is just like flipping a knife around in his hands and then there's a different well I guess he they're probably paid off not to bother him cuz he's a politician's <laughs> son. Um but then there's a different time when one of the gangs is coming to kill Ucho in the in the prison yard right before that giant fight and they're just conspicuously walking through the middle of this empty
1: prison yard with a shiv behind their back, right past guards staring at them. There's the, there's like one or two guards kind of like, you know, standing around. It's like raining. And like one guy is kind of like distracting the one guard that's on the fence and possibly even like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to kill this guy. Don't worry about it.
0: Yeah. But then the guard gets like really spooked as soon as he sees what's going
1: on. And he calls the alarm and
0: the SWAT teams like descend down it it just that I found amusing because I know prison guards are always laughably bad in movies, but these were particularly bad. But this fight, what it really struck me as above all, and I, I put this in our docket, is that the first raid seemed to use more guns, uh, quite a bit more than than raid two ever did throughout. And it, that's why when watching the first raid, I was always thinking like, oh, yeah, I could see why John Wick was inspired by this. Uh, this one Yes, it has guns later in the film, and plenty of them, but the vast majority, especially of the longer combat scenes, is like a visceral hand-to-hand combat that's way more gritty, way more intense, uh, just fist-clenching, bloody messes, and mm-hmm. it's totally different than Raid 1 in that regard. I, at least I think so. Yeah.
2: I mean, well, I mean, the Raid 1 kind of starts out with guns and then switches to hand-to-hand, and then... Right this movie starts out like more hand-to-hand and then it starts incorporating guns as you go but also just keeps the hand-to-hand combat or you know knives or baseball bats or hammers or whatever you <laughs> happen to have
1: <laughs>
0: pieces yeah. of
2: glass you know
0: like uh, the first one had those car. quick shots <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing I noticed that the fighting in this movie is just throwing a lot of shit at the person, uh, which Rama it's does effective. a lot. It is effective. No, uh,
2: no, it isn't. I no, mean, it slows guys, them. It slows them totally down. The same movie? <laughs> it's, no, but I'm, I was watching very carefully this time, and I'm sure it's you know so the stunt people won't get hurt, but people throw like chairs and like pallets for carting. Uh, you know supplies and things on And they throw all these huge items And they always miss Always The bad guys
0: time. disperse I mean I don't You're probably right uh, My <laughs> I mean, my, fa- my favorite is the throwing of I'm just going to call him Mad Dog I don't know what his name is in this movie The re- the resurrection of Mad Dog Which we'll get so. to later uh, He's just throwing like lawn chairs everywhere They're
1: going nowhere near the bad guys i mean if someone chugged a chair at me i'd be like oh geez now i'm gonna get out of the way of that i don't know what's <laughs> happening with that chair
0: yeah but, uh, yeah. but my, my point being though is that the original movie had a lot of these shots that were very john wick-esque where it was the the yes. quick like like dramatic way to shoot somebody where you like flip the gun around the corner and then shoot him without looking and then throw the gun across
1: you know what i mean like it had a lot of that type of stuff uh, this movie yeah, doesn't really have that It starts with law enforcement. I mean, I know a lot of these guys are criminals, but also, uh, as I have been looking at here on Wikipedia, according to Indonesian gun law, they're not as prolific there in Indonesia. So, you know, people on the day-to-day probably wouldn't have a ton of them. So it makes sense that out in the world, it's going to be a lot more, hey, let's hit each other with baseball bats and hammers.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. The original is a police raid, so yes.
2: Yeah, but I mean, I got to... I got to give props to this prison riot scene just in so many ways. It's incredibly, I mean, it's dumb to call it cinematic because, you know, (sighs) it's a movie and by definition, (laughs) it's cinematic. But the shooting, you know, as the bad guys approach the you know, the crime Lord's son in slow motion with the rain dripping across the muddy prison yard. And, you know, it shoots them from the back. So you see their wet hair dripping and it's just, you're just like, and the music is building. It's like this, you know, electronic uh, like heartbeat almost and a thrum that's building and building and building. And you're just like, you know, the tension, he's mm-hmm. really cranking up the tension and then he releases it into this mud pit in the center of the prison yard. you know, and this is just this is not your everyday mud. This is no. like the quality clay that your art teacher would give you like <laughs> one small <laughs> lump of in art class and say, okay, now don't mess with this because you can't have more. So yeah, <laughs> it's you're like making what you want to make.
1: It's it's the kind where it's like you know you're kind of like well why you know just run away from the person but you know you can't run because like your foot's going to no. get in there and it's just going to like get absorbed Yeah, it's
2: either going to stick completely or it's going to slide right out from under you.
1: Exactly. Yeah, you're just you're going to be part of the mud as it were. Well, that's one of Evans I think more
0: useful instances of a little bit of slow motion which is when uh when Rama first flies into the mud because he's the first person to hit the mud and the camera angle goes bird's eye view above him and you feel it when he hits the hits the mud because you don't really know how deep it is or anything like that and he hits it and then everything hits the fan and it is it's one of the most graphic fights i've ever seen on screen
2: so it's, much bone breaking.
1: <laughs> he, he breaks that guy's leg like he's playing with a rag doll. Oof. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot yeah. of shiving. Yeah. A
0: lot. Uh huh. Yeah. It's yeah. it's horrific. I deal
2: with the <laughs> shiving, but the bone breaking is, is the, the their sound designers do an excellent well, job because every time it happens, I go.
1: I feel oh, like oh, oh yeah. I feel like I can deal with a shiv when it starts getting to like the multiple shivs, like in the neck. That's when yeah. I start yeah. Ooh.
2: Yeah, when and, they stab somebody like 12 times in, in a row, super fast.
1: You yeah, know, just, oh, you're, like, oh, you're e-. like, stop, stop, he's already dead.
0: Right? And there's a scene where, where he, he's trying to keep Ucho alive, because he definitely doesn't want anything to happen to him, because he's his way into the syndicate when they get out. And he sees that, that Ucho's down for the count in the mud, and there's a guy coming for him. And the way he fights his way across this field, he's slipping while fighting. So he'll like slip and swing an uppercut punch and then slip underneath the next guy and jump over the next guy, all to get to Ucho. And it's like this ballet of chaos in mud. And it's extraordinary. I mean, I just can't stress enough how amazing the choreography in this is and how they've stepped up the fights in so many ways.
1: Yes, Agreed. (laughs) I do watch this awesome film.
0: No, it's incredible. And and I want to talk about like the, the cinematography in this, I noticed has a little bit more like kind of shaky cam, like they follow people through car windows and stuff that they didn't do quite as much in the first one. But I think like it's very effective. And just in general, like the cinematography and the effects work, they were dealing with car chases and stuff in this movie, stuff that was not part of the first one. And for a $4 million
1: budget... Uh, which in wow. the, yeah. four four million dollars goes a lot further in Indonesia than it does here. Sure, but I, it just reaffirms that like
0: we pay for our actors. <laughs> we don't like that's what our budget goes to. Because when you go brass tax and make a movie like this for four million dollars, I would go as far to say that it stands just as tall, if not taller, than Hollywood blockbusters made today with twenty five times the budget.
2: Yeah. I'm yeah. And, you know, that it at least th- this would be making a movie with the same elements here. I would guess would be like at least $80 million to do, especially if you got big name actors in it.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, Case in point. Let me just look up right now. How much, how much do the John Wick movies cost? Cause <laughs> yes. that's what I was just looking at.
0: The first John Wick was a $20 million budget. So five times the budget of this. Oh. And oh, right. I, that's actually very small. I'm, I'm wondering how much of that just went, went to Keanu.
2: Fee.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, there's probably a lot of that for Keanu. Well, I don't know. Keanu's known for you know, uh, being pretty good about taking a good, a good, decent pay for the film. But the the latest one, John Wick 3, $75 million. And that, that probably, I would say, is the closest in terms of relation to the Raid movies because it has, well, number one, it has some of the same actors. Uh, (laughs) But number two, it has the most, I think, like hand to hand in it as well. Yeah, I agree. I,
0: yeah, I mean, I just think it's just so impressive to me whenever we bring these movies on around the world, just the the quality of cinema on an effects and cinematography and, and just mass scale with something like this for an action film in countries like Indonesia that I never would normally be exposed to because... As you noted here, Nicole, sadly, the blockbusters I'm referring to also bring in way more money than this movie did. Uh, this movie yeah. did $6 million outside of Indonesia, That so three times its budget. That's great, but still. Yeah.
2: It, <laughs> yeah. It's, this movie should have made insane amounts of money, but it's, it's so incredibly violent that it would have I, been... Harder yeah. to market here. Certainly. Yeah.
1: It would have been hard to
2: art cinemas here.
1: I was gonna say it would have been hard to get a wide release on it. I think once it became available on like VOD and, and Blu-ray and DVD, it had a much bigger spread. Because I, I didn't even really know about it. Like, I, remember, I remember seeing a preview for it and thinking like, ah, oh, I can't wait to, you know, rent that because I knew there was not gonna be a theater that I was gonna be able to get to see it in which is a bummer because I would have loved to see this. I'm hoping that someday Alamo will play it and I will pay good money to go sit in a seat and watch it.
2: As yeah. you should. It is. It's incredible on the big screen, especially the car chase. Oh, which, man, that that you know, <laughs> car chase. They, <laughs> they shut down I a mean, road
1: for a long time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I made I made a note that I thought the uh, cinematographers should have gotten double pay as both cinematographers and stuntmen. Um, <laughs> right, because like there's a there's a shot that literally goes in one car window and out another while the cars are moving at speed, mm-hmm. and it's you know the one guy was running the camera in one car, passed it to a camera operator who was disguised as the other seat in the front of the car (laughs) (laughs) he was wearing like the seat cover and sitting in that spot who took the camera and then passed it to a guy on the other side who was like on this running board down by the tires of the middle car and then passed it to the the third thing and it's nuts it's absolutely nuts and I can't imagine how wildly unsafe that is for everybody.
1: <laughs> there is a really great series. I don't know if they have done any of the Raid movies, um, but there is a, uh, the Corridor channel on YouTube. They're famously known for doing like the VFX artist react, and they talk about VFX in movies. Super illuminating series. I've learned a whole bunch. It's really great. But they started doing stuntmen React, And they will have on stuntmen um, and talk about some of the movies like they've been in and stunts they're doing. But they will also then talk about just other movies and you will you will learn some insane things and just how dangerous like being a stuntman really like stuff that you wouldn't even think you'd think like, oh, they used computers to do that. Nope. Some Sometimes it's, <laughs> they really are putting their act, their actors at risk there. So I can't even imagine what in the martial arts industry happens. It's It's got to be insane.
2: Right. Although to be fair to the director, you know, Gareth Evans does a lot of his own camera operation. Yes. So he's, he's, he's very hands putting on. himself in the same... Uh, position as everyone else.
1: Yeah, and he is uh he is also a choreographer, not uh, for some of like the more intricate fights, but he does a lot of like the action choreography as well. And he's the well, he'll he help
2: plan it out. I mean, he was yes. he was like the primary planner for like the big kitchen fight at the end. God, yes, and he had an idea uh, of all the stuff, all the elements he wanted in it, and he yes. left it to the the fight choreographer choreographers to work out the nitty gritty of it. But he had a lot of ideas on the things that he wanted to be incorporated in. It's
1: like, at this point, I want him to pick him up and throw him into the wine cabinet. Oh, you have to hear it out. That hurt. (laughs) (laughs) No,
0: not the wine. Yeah, I'm often finding myself (laughs) reminding myself while while watching these movies, and you guys have exposed me to more martial arts films than I've ever seen in my life before this show. Uh, Yes, absolutely. Thank (laughs) you. But. I have to remind myself, like, these guys are athletes. This is incredible. Oh, yeah. And and like, sure, we can sit here all day long and talk about how impressive Tom Cruise is because he climbed buildings and he does remarkable things in his movies or anyone like him. But these guys are world-class athletes. And it's just astounding to watch in any of these movies.
1: Yeah, they're incredible. There's And I I was watching, uh, speaking of all this recently, I was watching one of those stuntmen react and they were talking about a Jackie Chan one. And there's a a shot in a movie, a Jackie Chan movie, where he jumps through, he's on a bus and he jumps through a window, uh, but he jumped through the wrong window. So he jumps through an actual window (laughs) and not the one that was designed specifically for him to jump through. Oh my God. Yeah. So I think this is a good point to
0: bring up one of Nicole's discussion topics, which is it's a strikingly, strikingly good acting for an action film, but is using the quote unquote for an action film, a qualifier that anyone should use. This is real film podcast stuff here. Good job, Nicole. That's that's a good (laughs) question. (laughs) We're going in, we're going in straight for the jugular. I, I, I think it's kind of fair in the sense that action films have become a genre and I guess always have been to an extent, inundated with monotony and trash. And when things can step above that bar, yes, I'm pleased. Like, like that's like saying, like, wow, Jordan Peele movies are particularly amazing for horror. Because horror can be and largely is up until the most recent
1: years, hack and slash and that sort of thing. I think when it comes to action movies, we want our stars to be convincing at the action more so, you know, we're willing to forgive uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme for a lot of things because (laughs) Jean-Claude Van Damme is great at what Jean-Claude Van does. So (laughs) you're, you're never looking for great acting from him. And
2: emoting is not one of those things.
1: Exactly. (laughs) So I think it is, it is okay to say like, you know what? Like, because, because even though it'd be martial arts films where it's like, Jackie Chan, you know, is the best at what Jackie Chan does as well. He's not the world's greatest actor. He's got some good moments, but most of the time, you just want him to be that kind of cheesy guy that he is on screen. Uh, so it's really cool when you have a movie that's like, yeah, it's really great action, and it's really compelling characters. I'm super into these people. What do you think, Nicole?
2: Uh, I think I would with genre movies and that's, you know, including like horror and action together. Yeah. I agree with David that we will forgive a lot of things. If you can pull off a really good frightening sequence or a really good action sequence, you know, I'm okay with like riding in between those with some, you know, clunky acting or clunky plot turns um, if you give me something that's aesthetically, um, aesthetically pleasing or super satisfying, um, or surprising, you know, give me something I've never seen before, and I'll say, "Whoa, oh, it's <laughs> right. worth it just for this these two minutes alone for you to." It's worth the price of admission to go just see these two minutes, and you can you know go to sleep during the rest of the movie. That's fine; you won't miss anything. Um. <laughs> you know there've been movies i've been to where it's they're it's good for that one or two moments and then it's fine you know like zombie 2 is not tremendously well acted and it's not uh it, it's not the best effects in the world but it's got a zombie fighting a shark and it's got a zombie driving a splinter <laughs> into a woman's eye at extremely low speed and it's horrible oh, yeah, um uh, but it's legendary this movie is a, it's a legendary horror movie because it's got those two moments But I would love to see action movies get better with the acting. I would love to see more movies like John Wick where the actors are trying to Mm -hmm. act well and convincingly (laughs) uh, versus, say, I'm probably going to get a lot of. For this,
1: say, it, for say it, say it. <laughs> The
2: Fast and the Furious movies. Okay, you know what? <laughs> I wait, wait. <laughs> no.
1: Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> where,
2: where they're acting in a a very heightened.
1: Oh, absolutely! The acting is not. The acting is, is, is not what not. I watch those movies for.
2: Yeah. It's not in any way you know like emotionally convincing oh
1: to no me, <laughs> but oh no they're doing
2: this stylized thing well but i mean i would love mm-hmm. to see things where the acting and the the acting and the payoffs that you're looking for from the genre are on par together like us say which mm-hmm. is tremendously acted And has these great horror payoffs in it. And, uh, you know, some might argue, and I I think they have legitimate reasons, that it doesn't all come together in the end. But I think it's got a better balance than a lot Mm -hmm. of movies that are trying to do horror. I think it's, you know, and I think this movie has a better balance than a lot of movies that are doing action where they're just jumping from set piece to set piece to set piece and the story eh, it will cobble together something, you know, this has a story you could have this be. And it has been, you know, a crime story that got very little of this action or like all of these giant set pieces could be a, you know, 32nd gunfight each time and be done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm, you know, this is. I think this is well balanced. I think it should be better balanced. I don't think that action movies in general are there yet, mm-hmm. but I think there are more and more directors who are trying to to do both. Yeah. So no. good I th- acting and good action.
1: I think that you were spot on with mentioning um, the John Wick films as well, because you know Keanu Reeves, good actor. But then the third yeah. one, you have people like Halle Berry, uh, you have, and you have I a character. I
2: don't usually come up for good acting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Look, she does. She does better than most. All right, uh, sure. La- Lawrence Fishburne, huh? Yes. Uh, Mark Mark Dacascos is in the movie, and like he's a character. When he starts off, I'm like, okay, he's kind of a little like. But then near the end of the film. He his character takes a great turn, and I'm like, yes, I'm super yeah. into this. Like that is a movie where the characters have weight, and it's it's a, they're playing a little bit cheesy. Some of them, Angelica Houston, cough cough, uh, but <laughs> in general, you can enjoy that movie. I mean, the plot is insane, but yes. the people there are giving it it their all. And I it also pays
0: off. and David, to your point earlier about you know John Clad Van Damme, I also think that the era of the dim-witted action hero, for lack of a better, uh, I'm going to get flack for that, but because I guess what I mean, like the the bumbling oaf of like, I'm just digging my <laughs> hole deeper and deeper. We- no one has yeah. ever accused Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone of being incredible actors. That's my point. Well, oh, well, hold up. Yeah, have you seen have you seen Creed? Okay, Creed is great. But my point being oh, is Copeland. that I don't You you okay, fine guys. My point <laughs> being though is that they are a certain brand of like eighties 70, 80s, yeah. and 90s action hero. The you know the Sylvester Sloans of the world don't seem to really exist anymore because you have movies that come out like reboots of terminator and rambo and they don't do particularly well and then you have actors nowadays where i look at guys that are kind of in that space of like the really muscular was probably a wrestler actor and i'm looking i'm thinking like the rock and like john cena and like they're not great actors but they're required to do a lot of comedy and they have a lot more breadth to their careers already than those action stars preceding them had. It seems like you are required to have a broader base of things you can do than we want you to be Rambo.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're seeing a lot of that too with comedy. You see, you know, John Cena especially is really taken to uh, comedy, except that he's playing Dom's brother in fast nine. And thank you, Jesus. That is
0: I realized that as I named
1: both of those men, both of them are in those movies.
0: <laughs> but I, but I do think like like would you have seen Sylvester Stallone at the peak of his career in a Jungle Cruise movie?
1: No, is Stallone in Jungle Cruise? No,
0: but The Rock is. Oh, okay. I was like, wait a minute, I got to go see Jungle Cruise. <laughs> Uh, I, 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 there's something to that, and I, there's a, there's a, there's a better way to phrase what I'm getting at, but I do think that the era of that type of action star has is passing.
1: I get what you mean. Yeah, we're we're not going to forgive Arnold Schwarzenegger with his accent for, you know, being like, oh, he's a Brooklyn guy. It's like talking like that, really. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sure. We're just going to pretend.
2: No, although you know, tried. To cover it at least for like Van Dam, they'd be like, you know, Cajun, Belgian, close enough, you know, <laughs> got right. an accent. We'll come up with a reason for it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But, but, but like, yeah. you definitely don't see the movies anymore. Of like, you know, here's Jesse Ventura and your new favorite action movie. Like that doesn't happen anymore. That did that ever happen? Isn't like Predator?
2: Yeah, no, it's, did you ever see a Braxis? <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, anyway, yeah, you did this just movie. Um, uh, bring- but anyway, yeah, the 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 lunkhead action hero kind of thing.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm trying to describe.
2: Not even as much. It's still being done. You know, like Mark Wahlberg is hanging on to that slot by his fingernails yeah, right now.
0: You are totally right about that. But but he has the flip side of that, right? Like, he has Daddy's Home and crap like that.
1: Uh, there's the better other movies guys, than Daddy's yeah.
0: Home. But, like, well, he the has other the guys flip side is, of that. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: He he is self-aware enough at times to play into it just right. But then also, he's Mark Wahlberg. so Yeah, yeah. also but still Steve Entourage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah.
0: Occasionally,
2: you get a really awesome performance out of him. But it's just...
1: And it's not the happening.
0: I can tell you that.
2: Yeah, it's definitely.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. But yeah, I think the (laughs) lunkhead is kind of what I'm describing there. Yeah. So let's.
2: let's, With the good action and the good acting.
0: Right. Uh, So let's talk about a couple of our other discussion topics here. Uh, What is everyone's favorite fight and why? Because I noticed toward the end of this movie, there's a point where Rama is essentially moving through boss battles. And I mean that as in a, I think that's awesome. I don't think it's monotonous, but he is definitely going through each of Bejo's thugs in order to get literally to the top of a hotel. Yeah, hotel. Restaurant. Restaurant. And there's some fights in there. <laughs> oh, boy. Mm. Um, what's everyone's favorite fight in the movie? It doesn't have to be one from that sequence, but I'm assuming it might be.
1: Hmm. Nicole.
0: Uh,
2: I would have to say just for, for the cinematic aesthetics, I'd say the prison yard riot, hmm. but for like a single combat, uh, I've got to go with the final knife fight. Um, and that's between, you know, Rama and a guy who's just credited as the assassin. Uh, he's the man with a pair of Karambit knives. um, and his his the actor's name. He's not technically an actor to start with. He was a lot instructor.
1: Um, Hence, why he you know, doesn't speak Chechep, in the entire movie.
2: Right, uh, Chechep Arif Rahman uh, is his name, and you know he doesn't speak, but he's doing some good acting here because at the beginning of the fight, where they're sort of taking each other's measure, he's realizing that Rama practices the same style. That he does because he does the sort of same opening uh, posture to begin the fight where they're, you know, they have the backs of their hands touching and they've Mm -hmm. got their legs settled into a particular stance. And you see this little smile cross his face and just the little glint in his eye and that he's super pleased to be fighting this guy who's got the same style. And he's like, this is going to be, you can... Without saying a word, you know you're seeing this is going to be interesting. This might actually be a challenge. You know he's he's ready to go. I caught him off guard last time, but now he's ready. So we're we might be an even match here. This will be fun and entertaining and a real test of my skills. And you know I'm I'm getting all of this from just this little this little bit of of you know smug pleasedness that he's radiating, and it's just this little hint of humor in a scene that desperately needs it because it's about to get deadly serious and yeah. and, you, and you see this fight get as they're fighting they start out with a ton of finesse and these super elaborate moves and a lot of flips and extra turns and spins and but this fight goes on and on and on for like Seven minutes, I think it is, which doesn't sound like a lot of time, but for a one on one fist fight, seven minutes is a really long time. (laughs) So, with the when you're fighting with something as fast as knives, seven minutes is an insanely long time to not have somebody dead uh, (laughs) during the middle of it. And you see them get progressively more tired. And exhausted, then their moves get less elaborate and then they get more brutal and they just start taking whatever opportunity they can. And they like pause and they're panting and before they go back at it again. And then they're throwing each other into things and, you know, and it's just so well done. And I mean, this is, you know, this is the big climactic fight. I mean, there's more stuff after this, but this is the I I think of it as the biggest fight in the movie. And you can see that a lot of, like, love and work went into this. I think, David, this took, like, what, like, eight days to shoot? Oh,
1: God, yeah. It took a really long time. It's a crazy
2: number of shots put together. Yeah,
1: 195, I believe.
2: Yeah, which is bananas.
1: Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's insane. And it
2: took them like, a month to figure it out, to figure out the choreography for it.
1: Yeah. no. So. It, I, I'm I'm with Nicole. It's my favorite fight of the film. It is the most intricate um, and the most entertaining in its own way because you get to see Peep just this display of talent uh, mm-hmm. slowly break down into two guys just wishing the other one was so dead by the end. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's just, it's great. And yeah, it's two people who are great at what they do and we as the audience get to reap the benefit of it. Just too much slicing, just so much
0: <laughs> slicing <laughs> yeah, that's, and the follies, problem and the folly yeah. work on the slicing is so on point. It sounds so very slicey. and I do mm. uh, <laughs> shiver down my spine. No, that's an incredible fight. I think for me, albeit a much shorter fight. My favorite is the very first really of the movie when, um Rama is cornered in a bathroom stall in prison oh by, yeah It's also a by good one, yeah. Like over a dozen at least. Uh
2: No, like I'd thugs. say more like two dozen.
0: There's yeah. a yeah. lot of them. And it gets to the point and this is all hand in hand. Uh so they don't have any weapons and it is like flipping people over and pushing them over the the wall of the stall into different stalls and by the end of it they they eventually get them. Um because there's like 20 of them, (laughs) but they're stacked up behind him like
1: four feet tall. It is unreal. (laughs) This is why I love the character of Rama. And this happened as well. in the first one is he is very smart in, in what he does. You know, he is not a brute. He knows that realistically he can't take on 20 people all at once because they'll overwhelm him. So he very, uh, you know, very cleverly cuts down the number he has to fight at one time. And like he'll he'll you know, he'll get a couple in there and he'll close the door and he'll deal with them, and then like he'll you know, he'll find ways to deal with them one at a time as much as he can until he's overwhelmed. And that's just something I've always really appreciated about that character.
0: Yeah, yeah. And also with these movies, sometimes in action films, someone gets punched and they're down for the count, and you think to yourself, <laughs> Oh, you can get up. You see people get punched by Rama, and the the martial arts that happens in this film. I Mm. believe that they're not getting back up.
1: (laughs) So, I I, I tweeted this out while I was watching this movie where it's the durability of enemies in a martial arts film is directly related to their numbers. Like, if there's four (laughs) of you, you can take a few hits and you can get back up and like you'll keep going, you'll keep fighting for a while. If there's 40 of you, it's like one punch and you're down. You know, we don't got time for all of them to get back up but man, do those punches land. And oh, yeah. I believe that
0: they're going down. Uh, but something so much more horrific than punches and arms is hammers. Uh, what is the hardest fight to watch in the movie? And why is it the hammers? <laughs> and I think you're right. Like, I think it beats out the prison yard for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is
2: it the spine ripping? Mm-hmm. That's part yeah.
0: of it. I mean, part of it's, a, part of it's like that you have... I don't want to say the best of both worlds because that sounds really macabre, <laughs> but you have like she's got the blunt instrument on one side, the tearing yeah. instrument on the opposite side, and because dual wields them. them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And to yeah. my understanding, uh, both blind and deaf. Well, blind, blind in one eye. Blind in one eye, completely deaf, 100% terrifying.
1: Yes. Only yeah. called. Hammer Girl, <laughs> well, no, no, Alicia, uh, she actually has a name. She's oh, the other okay. the other guy is just called uh, the baseball uh, Batman, baseball Batman, but she is Alicia <laughs> Hammer Girl.
2: yeah, so, and I mean, she's, you know, it's it was funny. i I realized writing up my notes that three of the four assassins are Sealot instructors in real life, <laughs> like Yayan oh. Ruhiyan Koso. You know, Chachep Raman who plays the assassin, you know, with the knives. And Berry Tree Yulisman plays Baseball Batman, and he's also a C-Lot instructor. And this girl, Julia uh, was an ingenue uh, slash scream queen before this movie. And she had zero martial arts experience.
1: Wow, so she, she sells had- it.
2: She does. Yeah, she had to have a five-day audition process because like, they oh, spent geez. the first three teaching her basic, uh, just basic sealot moves and adapting it with the hammers. And then the fourth day, they spent adding choreography to it that she had to learn. And then the fifth day, they were like, all right, let's see what you got. And she really impressed everybody. And they're like, yeah, yeah. okay, <laughs> you she, got it.
1: She, like, she everything about her is badass. She fights in this, like, white, flowy dress. She's wearing sunglasses the whole time, and she does this great move at one point where she, like, pins someone's neck to, like, a pole with, like, her leg while beating someone else with the hammers.
2: Yeah. I'm
1: like, yeah.
0: (laughs) You have to wonder how each of them got to that point. At what point were they each, like, the hammers, the baseball bat, and the baseball is the most efficient way I can
1: do what I do. Oh, oh, I put This put this in... (laughs) Uh, well i put this in our show notes i love gimmicky fighters like i love theme gangs people who pull out strange weapons and like that's what you fight with hammers two claw him hell yes give me that movie i'm into
0: it and the baseball bat guy is even more insane because keep in mind he's not just beating people up with a baseball bat he's hitting baseballs with it and then asks for them back (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, such yeah, aim—that I mean, is with, incredible. I'm
2: with David. I'm with David. The only other time I've seen someone kill so many people with a hammer was Old Boy. And oh yeah. <laughs> this is somehow just as brutal, but more elegant at the same time.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, she's got style. She's got grace.
2: She does.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: she, <laughs> she really does. A
2: good face. Yes.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so. Uh, so let's talk about the recasting of, is it Yahan Ruhian?
2: Yayan Ruhian.
0: Yeah, Yayan Ruhian, who previously played Mad Dog in the last film. If you don't remember, he's got a light fixture jammed through his neck. So it's not Mad Dog. Mm-hmm. Mad Dog is done, but they brought him back. And now, to my understanding, he is a as choreographer. He's a choreographer yes. on the film. They brought him back as this new character who's like a long-standing friend of the family of the Indonesian gang. Mm-hmm.
2: He's their favorite hitman.
0: Their favorite hitman. It kind of threw me a little bit because I was trying to piece together <laughs> if like some I mean, let's be honest, if anyone's going to cheat death, it's Mad Dog from the first film.
1: Right. Yeah. It is a little bit jarring. I it definitely was for me the first time that I watched it. It was like, what? Because I watched both of these maybe in the same night or like the one day after another. Uh, and it is like, wait, hold up. Wait a minute. Why is, why is he back? Uh,
2: yeah. They they try to make him look different. They had him grow his hair and his beard out like way out, but he's got an extremely distinctive face.
1: Oh yeah. But he's like, I good. They brought him back. I'm glad he's great. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't care. I don't, exactly. I don't care. I wouldn't care if he was like, is he mad dog's twin brother? You know, right. okay. yeah, yeah, they should
1: have just done that. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been fine with it. Because he is he's such a great presence in action scenes. Yeah, and he absolutely um, yeah. is. I mean
0: he's got two incredible fights in this is movie. Impressive.
1: Yeah, his yeah. acting is impressive.
0: I agree. I mean, he's like, he. <laughs> I mean, Baromir is rivaled by his takedown in this movie in terms of how long it takes to finally bring his ass to the ground. So many cuts on his back. So many cuts. Uh, It was like watching Baromir get hit with arrows. It was tough to watch. Pretty cool, though. (laughs) He's great in the movie. He's really (laughs) great in the movie. And he has two of the best fights in the movie, I think. I think they're all great fights in the movie, but two of his are
1: pretty incredible. Because he's that good. Just as a human being.
0: Yeah, I I don't think you can have him on set and not try to bring him on in some capacity. I agree with you, David. I'm so glad that they did. Now, this movie was written first, but Edwards could Mm -hmm. not secure funding, so he made the first one instead. Do you mean Evans? Uh, Oh, did I say Edwards? I meant Evans. My bad. Oh, Gareth Edwards. Isn't that also a director?
2: Yeah, he did Monsters and...
0: Yeah, I get did, them. Ed, and Rogue and, and One. And
2: did Rogue One, yeah. Yeah, yeah I okay, get but them Evans, confused sometimes.
0: In any case, um, he could not secure funding, so he made the first one instead. Obviously, the first one could have been made on a much lower budget because it was just in the apartment block. Mm-hmm. This is all and, over the place, car chases, explosions, stuff you need a budget for.
1: And then this one was rewritten a bit to be a sequel to the first one. Yeah. Um, But he had, you know, like the the major plot of it was written standalone.
2: Yeah, it was it was originally unrelated.
1: A a lot of the choreography was also done. They had already actually choreographed the movie, but just could not get the money for it. Interesting. Well,
0: I mean, both movies have a central theme of uh, there's certainly some corrupt cops in both Uh, this much more so than the first one. But the first one, if I'm not mistaken, it does end with them getting the tapes of all the corrupt cops, right? The first one. Well, yeah, the first one does. Right. So that that segues nicely into this. I mean, I would never have known that. I mean, they rode around that obstacle incredibly well for having made this second. Yeah. So don't try to make up a drinking game for this movie. There is too much of everything. And I was <sighs> thinking about that, Nicole. And I think you're right. It, it certainly can't well, be slices or uh, punches or
1: anything. You take a you 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 just uh, start drinking it while someone is not getting killed on screen, and that <laughs> might be okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's something. There's some insane number of deaths in this movie. It's it's over three hundred. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I even know. <laughs> but I I stopped and I'm like, what are some really distinctive things that don't happen in a lot of movies? It happened more than you would think here. And I realized that even if you took a shot every time there was the utter destruction of someone's face, you'd <laughs> still be drunk by the end of the movie.
1: Even if it was like every time something is thrown, you would yeah. be pretty trashed.
0: Yeah, the yeah. destruction of people's faces. I, I mentioned oh. it at the very top of the show, but the fact that Baseball Batman... Ends up with a baseball yeah. bat lodged in his head what? that then goes yeah. down with him as he falls to the floor yeah. and it sticks there. Yeah, uh-huh. that's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. don't
2: think Gareth Evans didn't didn't revel in oh, how the audience it. would react to that. One
1: hundred percent, one hundred percent. To speak to the acting in this movie a bit, when you have the part when Rama is uh, holding the guy's face. On the grill?
0: On the oh grill. god. And, yeah, yeah general- the industrial like oh.
1: grill stovetop. Oh yeah. And we're not really showing it, but we're showing Iko Yuasa's face the whole time. And he is like selling the look of like, I don't want to do this. This is horrifying, but I'm fighting for my life. And yeah. like, oh, it's I, I I was I was with him emotionally in that moment. I also wanted him to not be doing that. <laughs>
2: oh, god. Yeah, very much so.
1: Oh, it's so bad, and and
2: please, this is please a- not, please not be do that now,
0: please. Yes. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's also one of the points in the movie where he reaches like peak frustration because he is kind of a pawn yeah. in the game for a lot of the movie, and he reaches mm-hmm. frustration with oh, these handlers and the people he's calling on the other end of the phone when he's talking uh, to Bunoir. because they're not giving him all the info. He never knew that there was another informant on the inside. Uh, he didn't know that these cops are going to go after him and they we don't should do have ag-
2: gotten the hint though.
0: <laughs> yeah. we Come from the same place. Right. Yeah, sure. Sure. But, but my point stands is he's not given all the information that they could give him. Uh, and he yeah. reaches peak frustration there because the, there are people attacking him that he didn't even know were on the menu that evening. <laughs> yeah it's a lot yeah. it's a lot uh definitely now Wait,
2: before we get to the last topic i wanted to i just wanted to throw in some some cast shout outs yeah uh real quick here like there's a whole bunch of people we haven't talked about any of the japanese actors in oh, yeah. this movie um there's uh Ryuhei matsuda plays keiichi who I found out in reading the Wikipedia article uh, is the son of the Japanese uh, crime boss,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: and he's the one with the the sort of kind of a ghostly face.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got. Yes, I know exactly. That's the best way to describe <laughs> it. I was trying to think of a way. That you were correct.
2: Um and. He does, you know, he's doing a lot of like really subtle things with his face. And I think he does a really good job, especially at the end where it seems like he's making an offer. You don't hear their dialogue at all. It seems like he's making an offer to Rama as Rama's leaving after like killing everybody <sighs> in the restaurant.
1: Literally everyone. Except
2: staff who were smart enough to leave. God,
1: I love uh, that before that fight happens. Like the staff looks at him, like well, okay, well, this is not going to go great. Let's just get <laughs> yeah. out of here.
2: Let's let's move out of the way. Let's let's get going. Um, I'll find a job somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he's ma- you know, he's making him an offer. But you, you see in his face also that he's willing to let Rama go just out of respect. Mm-hmm. You know, Rama says, "No, I'm done." I I get the distinct feeling that he's going to be like, "Yeah, all right." <laughs> right. Okay, go for it. You know, yeah. it's fine. You,
0: you took care of all my problems um, for me. So,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there's uh, Kazuki Kitamura plays Ryuchi, who is, um, he's the Japanese team's translator. He's the guy with the beard and the wavy hair. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a little bit of humor to him. Um, he's. <laughs> I've seen him recently in a. I stumbled across on Amazon Prime this Japanese TV show that, frankly, might be for children uh, (laughs) called Neko Samurai, which is about a samurai, a a ronin, who is paid to go kill this rich guy's cat because the servant is jealous of how much attention his master pays to the cat. And the samurai can't kill it and instead smuggles the cat home with him and learns to live with Having a cat uh, while he's trying to earn money to send to his family. This is incredibly. It's very sweet and wholesome and amusing, and I highly recommend it. Um, but it's it's called Samurai Cat in English, which is not accurate because it's not the cat who is a samurai; it's just the <sighs> samurai who is cat-like.
1: Hey, um, the cat could and... <laughs> be. Well, okay, Nicola might be. For, it might be for kids because there is a whole series of these. Like Neko Samurai, <laughs> a tropical adventure.
2: <laughs> ah, okay, yes, it might well be. <laughs> but you know what? I don't care. Um, and then a shout out to last shout out to Nancy Gratia Cycling, who play who is credited only as Dildo Girl in the Oh
0: movie. <laughs> God, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> who has the humorous walk on? <laughs>
1: oh, that the, uh, that scene.
2: <laughs> when Uto comes to collect from the uh, the porn creator distributor who has gotten out of line by expanding into drug dealing,
0: <laughs> right?
2: But uh, you can you can follow Nancy Gratia cycling on Instagram. She has her own page. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> go for it. Right on. Uh, okay, and I, I release it back to you, Brett. Sorry to.
0: No, I, that's all there. fantastic. And uh, now the last line <laughs> of that film that that you mentioned is Rama saying, "I'm done." And that made me yeah. think, and I, I looked up later on that 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 Evans had wanted to make a third one, and he had the plot in his head, and it never came to fruition, nor does he think it ever will. Uh, but that to no. me rang as like this is done; we don't need it anymore. at
1: least not with he, Rama. He, well, because he said, because he is uh, he has since left uh, left Indonesia. So he moved back to the UK. So he says, you know, for him, it's just he feels like it's done as is right now it's just like they're never say his exact quote is so never say never but it's unlikely to happen anytime soon i don't think we'll ever see a third one i don't know if we ever need to see a third one yeah no. i think that's my point is that i don't want the the
0: beginning of the third one where someone has to come convince rama out of badass retirement for one last savior of the city job like i don't need that yeah no
2: <laughs> yeah I would rather I would rather leave it, you know, I think when you end on such a perfect note, don't don't go back to it. I mean that's that's probably why I haven't seen Toy Story four yet. It's just oh. I felt like everything got wrapped up so nicely at toy, toy Story St- three that I'm just like, why why go back in there
1: i I I think it's. I think to, i Toy Story four justifies its own existence. I think not okay. to derail the but. Po- well, like I said, I, I haven't
2: seen it, so yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I I don't think it reaches the heights of three, but it does what it it should do as a follow up to three. It's a very introspective film for Woody,
0: <laughs> which huh. is kind of weird <laughs> to
1: say. Wait have Have you not seen it, Brett? I've only seen one through three as well. Okay, well, new to two's coming up, so both of you hold off on that.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, uh, no, I I hear what you guys are saying. I, I I agree, and I also think that it's just such a perfect ending for Rama. I wonder, does he go back to his family like you would hope? So, but
2: yeah, I mean, that's the whole point of what he's been doing, at least for him. That's that's his sure. biggest
0: goal. He's been gone like two years though, and his wife seemed a little annoyed at him on the phone. Well, so well. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so wouldn't you be? You know. <laughs> right, yeah, I realize now how that sounds, but like I, I, hope he goes home and everything's good.
1: Yeah, I'm glad right. I didn't play up of like, oh, she got remarried in those two years, and now he's gonna like dive into the world of crime. It's like, no, yeah, oh, you want him, you want, yeah, to have something to just go back to.
0: Yeah, it it is one of the only instances of I'm doing this for my family that I didn't feel was just generic. Like I I still feel for his character. Uh, he, it's it's a great movie, David. This was a hell of a pick. I, I think that's the best way to end this episode. Uh, does anyone have any yep. closing thoughts on the raid two? This
1: movie rules. That's all I got.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, like I said, you know, if you're very, if you have. Poor reactions to gore, then you're the only people I would say to stay away. If you love good action movies, if you love good martial arts movies, you love good crime stories, you know, this is one that is not to be missed.
0: Agreed. Uh, this was hyped to me for literal years by David, uh, being like, <laughs> we'll get there eventually. We'll get there eventually. And yeah, not long. many things can live up to that kind of hype and I think this did. This was just oh, as good, good, if not even better than the first in some ways. But they're both just, oh my gosh. As someone who had not seen a lot of martial arts before coming into this podcast, these are the best I've seen. <laughs> they're unbelievable. Um though I have yeah. a spot I have a soft spot for Hero, which we haven't done on this show, but we should. So we did, we did Hero.
1: What? We did Hero. Oh yeah, you're right. I we did, did Hero. <laughs> We're on a hundred hundred and nine episodes. All right? Yeah, this is what happens when you've been doing the show for a few years. I love that one too. In any case, uh, let's let's go around the table. David, where can people find you online? You can find me under the username Davluz. That is D A V L U Z. So just follow me on Twitter. See what I'm up to. Very good. And Nicole, what about you?
2: I run our Facebook page, and we actually have some Facebook. Feedback uh, from episode 102.
0: 102,
2: yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Brian Madden wrote into us and uh, said it's Kevin Smith's best film. Personally, I think it's Smith's most mature film and an interesting exploration of friendship and relationships. Hmm. The characters feel more grounded and well rounded. Dogma was pretty good, more in line with the other View Askew films. It feels more in line with some of Apatow's films. Zack and Miri Make a Porno is probably the closest in tone.
1: Mm.
0: I feel like Apatow is another
1: one. I would agree
2: that Zack and Miri is the most Apatow-like.
1: Oh, 100%. Absolutely.
2: And underrated, if you ask me. Hmm.
0: (laughs) I feel like that's also another director where on that episode, we had a discussion about how the View Askew fans... Love all of Kevin Smith's films, or most of them, and there's like a very specific kind of fan base that congregates around those films. And I feel like Apatow films are similar in that regard. I feel like he has kind of a specific fan base that loves his movies.
2: Maybe, but I mean, I'm I'm a big admirer of some of his movies. I like him very much as a person. You know, mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of his podcasts. I've you know followed his. Stuff that he writes, um, I really like uh, the stuff that takes a more religious bent. Like I really liked Dogma. I really liked Red State. Um, but I mean, I also i I found a lot to like in Jersey Girl. I'm one of those people. what who actually <laughs> kind of like Jersey Girl.
1: Oh boy, we don't um, have time to dive into this.
2: <laughs> it's a it's a it was a love letter for him to his daughter. Um, and I think it's, it's very sweet in that capacity. Plus George Carlin, you know, Hey, um, (laughs) but I mean, I don't like some of his more recent stuff. I don't like, I wish I could like Tusk. I like parts of Tusk.
1: But it Does. just kind of goes off the
2: rails. I don't like yoga hosers. I was about at to say, all. good
0: thing you really picked up the slack in the second one and just made it the <laughs> pure masterpiece that it is.
2: <laughs> I haven't seen Jane's Island Bob the the latest uh, return of Jane's whatever it's called, the Jane's Island Bob movie that's that he just made. Uh, have not seen that, so but I, I mean, yeah, Brian, I I, I think there is a lot of truth in what you are saying about chasing Amy. I think it is a very mature film and a good exploration of relationships.
0: I totally And agree. Uh, I found
2: that because I run our Facebook page.
0: <laughs> yes, check Facebook it out.
2: Dot com slash movie go round. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Check it out there. You can find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. If you're not a Facebook person, you can email the show. Hi at mgrpodcast.com. We would love to hear from you. Now we will be back next week with a you did this to us pick. It's already picked. We announced it earlier in the episode and it'll be in the show notes. Be sure to check that out and follow along if it's even worth following them. You might just want to hear us talk about it, to be honest. It might very well be an emoji movie type film, but we're here for it next
1: week. Don't put that curse on me. We'll see you then.